All right, all right. Welcome back to Rise to Liberty podcast. Tonight, I am joined by Joshua Smith, host of Break the Cycle podcast and vice chair of the National Libertarian Party. How are you doing tonight, Josh? Oh, I'm hanging in there, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm stoked to be here. I'm glad we can make it work. Sorry I had to push it back an hour, but I appreciate no you being accommodating. It means a lot to me. Well, it's important to me that uh, dads spend time with their with their kids. Yeah, and I have a lot. I have a lot of them. So. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. That's probably the hardest thing for me as a father is trying to split up my time between all my children. That's the oh, hard, that's the hardest part for sure. And how many kids do you have now? So we have six in the house. Um, I have my 18 year old daughter that just moved out recently with my two grandchildren. Uh, so I have two grandchildren as well. And then I have one son that doesn't live with me, unfortunately, but hope, hoping to rectify that, uh, uh, soonish. So man, that, yeah, that's a full house. Yeah. It's a lot, dude. Thankfully we, we've been blessed to, we were able to get a really nice big house that accommodates all the kids and got a ton of room for them. And there's a pond in the backyard and stuff. It's pretty cool. So they're, they're happy. Uh, and they, they enjoy their big house and, uh, I I'm stressed out trying to pay for it, but you know, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, you know, dad life, right? Yeah, absolutely. So do you kind of want to um, just introduce yourself just a little bit more? First time being on the show. Sure. Uh, just usually my my audience are actually pretty newer to a lot of these ideas of liberty. And some are libertarians. I try to balance, you know, between uh, uh, a show for people who are in the know and also a show for people who are not in the know. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, you know, I'm, I've been a liberty activist in one form or another since about 2007. Uh, for those who don't know who I am, I was in the military. Uh, I joined right after 9-11 at uh, 18 years old, um, you know, thinking I was going to be heroic and, and patriotic and go and defend my country from the evil terrorists. And uh, within, um, I don't know, I, within seven months, I was in the Middle East uh, in, in the Persian Gulf on a ship that was uh, carrying out a, 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 a thing called the shock and awe campaign where they basically dropped 100 billion tons of ordnance on Baghdad. Um, and, and I was a part of that. And, uh, you know, I remember being this young kid and, and saying to myself, like, wow, uh, Baghdad's like a big city. Like, I'm from Oakland, you know, and, I, and I'm like, this is a big city that like people live in with cars and jobs and and goals and aspirations and there's family dogs and kids and um and it really jaded me on this this whole war because you know i was like well i thought we were going to fight uh afghan nationals via pakistan or saudi nationals via pakistan or whatever it was that had attacked my countrymen um and so i you know i just remember being like there's no weapons of mass destruction here this is really just a terrible thing that we're doing uh, it's, uh, it was very obvious to me at a young age, being a part of this, that it was a corrupted mission. Um, and so when I came home, when I got back home, I was, I was extremely jaded on what I now, you know, affectionately refer to as the military industrial complex. Of course, I didn't use the, that term back then. I didn't even know what that meant. Um, and so I got out of the military 2005 and, uh, you know, I was a Republican. I was a registered Republican. Um, I had never voted. I was, I was, I was. I've kind of always been like, eh, voting doesn't really make a difference kind of guy um, most of my life, even before, you know, but I was a Republican. And of course, I I take it back. I never voted for anything on a grand scale. I would go down and vote, you know, for something local and and, and measures that would, would come up and stuff like that. But um, and so 
Uh, I was, you know, not a George Bush fan. Of, obviously, I had just gone and fought a war. In fact, George Bush declared war when we were in the Persian Gulf, uh, when we were in the in the middle of the Gulf. And so um, I saw this Republican Party that was not anti-war. You know, this was the beginning. This was the Bush era. This was the McCain era. This was, you know, these were these were not anti-war conservatives. Um, they they were conserving nothing. They were conserving no traditions. Um, and, and, uh, I felt like the party was leaving me until I found this great man that I see on my shirt that you see on my shirt tonight, um, that says it didn't have to be this way. Uh, about 2007, I found Ron Paul and, uh, he was speaking to my soul, man. You know what I mean? That guy, he was talking about how we were creating all these conflicts overseas and how, you know, the, the, the monetary system in the United States was crippling, you know, normal people and, uh, it, it was just really spoke to me. And, and so I was like, I need to find out more about this guy. And so I worked on Ron Paul's campaign in 2008, uh, diehard Ron Paul support, good friend, good friend. I mean, the guy's been a friend to me. He endorsed me for national chairman, uh, last or, uh, two years ago when I ran, uh, in 2020 for national chairman of the libertarian party. Um, and so, you know, I spent some time there. I watched the Republican party, just absolutely blackball this guy. I watched the media blackball this guy. Uh, and to me, I'm like, this guy's speaking the truth. He's saying all the things that conservatives should want to do uh, if they want to conserve, you know, these traditions and the way of life and, and you know, make America great again or whatever, it, whatever it is, stupid slogan these politicians are coming up with this week. He was the one actually saying the things. And when you go back and look at his record, he was the one actually saying the things for a generation, you know. Um, and so uh, I... I wasn't going to uh, stay with the libertarian or with the, uh, with the Republican party more. There was just no way for me to uh, be a principled human being and continue to work with the Republicans. Um, they just didn't have my interest at heart. And so I left 2010, joined the libertarian party briefly. Uh, and uh, I basically was like a hyped up activist. I'd worked on Ron Paul's campaign in California. And um, I was like, where do you guys need me? Show me where to go. And they just, stonewalled me. I mean, I got no, no re return emails, nothing. So I stopped, I stopped working with, uh, stopped being a member of the Libertarian Party like three months after I started paying dues. And then in 2015 and 2016, I was watching the lead up to the shit show, right? Um, it, uh, national politics was just absolutely disgusting. It was crazy for me to, to watch all this stuff. There's no way I was going to be a Trump guy. Um, I knew, you know, I grew up watching Trump on Lifestyles and the Rich and Famous, dude. Like anybody who bought the fact that he was a conservative is a fucking idiot. I absolute idiot. The guy's been a New York liberal my entire life. Um, and so I was like, no way, dude, this guy's lying to everybody. He's, he's, you know, he's using false populism to try and hype up his base. He's not going to do any of this shit. And then on the other side of that was, was another Clinton. And, you know, I grew up in the Clinton era too. And I remember how fucking bad it was for everybody. Um, and, uh, and so there was no way I wanted to be a part of any of that. So I was like, well, I'll go check out the libertarian party and see what they're doing. At that time I found Nick Sarwark. He was the first person I found in the party. Um, and he was great. Interesting. Yeah. And he was great, dude. <laughs> I was, I was like a Nick Sarwark fanboy, dude. Um, especially like during the beginnings of the Gary Johnson campaign. Um, at the time I knew very little about Bill Weld, but I, once I found out who Bill Weld was, I didn't work with the, 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 the uh, GJ campaign anymore, but I had found Nick and I was like, man, this guy's edgy. He's going up on stage saying your fucking tears are delicious and your parties will die. And I'm like, yeah, dude, this guy's awesome. And then like a week later, he's attacking Tom Woods and Eric July and fucking who else? He went as Scott Horton and all these great like 
thinkers. Ron that, Paul. Yeah, Ron Paul and all these great people that like really, uh, you know, turned me into who I am today, right? And uh, and so I was like, fuck this guy. This was 2016, 2017. Um, and I and I was I had become a region rep for the Libertarian Party of Washington at the time. I lived in southern Washington. And uh, so I started calling all the big name people that I knew. And I'm like, yo, you got to run for chair of this party and get this guy the fuck out of here. He is ruining the name of libertarianism na- nationwide. There's no doubt. And, and you know, we get those kind of emails all the time. Right. Like as, as a national leadership team, you're always getting emails. You guys are destroying the name of libertarianism. You're doing this. You're doing that. But he didn't know who the fuck I was like you like I when I set my mind out to do something like it's going to happen. And so so I started calling these people. You're like, Cra- you're crazy, man. He's a two term chair. He's the most popular chair the party's ever had. You're crazy. No one's going to run against that guy. I said, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. <laughs> and so this is like 2018. No one knew who the hell I was. I didn't have the show. I was doing uh, like a small publication called Think Liberty with some friends. And so I put out an intent to run statement. It's kind of like a challenge to the status quo of the party, not thinking it would go anywhere, but it was uh, viewed over 16,000 times uh, on, oh, wow. like the, on like the first week. Um, and uh, I was the new challenger and I went to 28 states that year. Uh, I spoke behind Ron Paul at the Omaha Roads to Freedom Unconvention. Um, I got to do all this great shit, dude. I ne- I was never a public speaker. I never did that. I, I had to go on my tour. Like I had to go around and teach myself to not say bro to people like on stage and stuff. You know what <laughs> I mean? Cause I'm like, I was just like a skater kid, surfer kid from California. Right. And, and so I was like, I can't go up on a, on a stage and give a speech and be like, yo bros, listen, dude, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you guys are hella whack right now. We need to fix our marketing. And so, so I like actually had to teach myself public speaking, like on the road and, um, and so I ran against them. I got like, surprisingly, I think I got like 22% of the vote or something like that at the national convention in 2018 in uh, New Orleans. But I did end up being, becoming an at-large representative. So I spent that term as an at-large. And then in 2020, I tried to get some people to run again. No one wanted to run. They were going to run Joe Bishop henchman. And I was like, fuck that. I'll run. So I ran again. Um, and he just barely beat me. I mean, it was really, really close, uh, less than a hundred votes, I think. Um, and, uh, so I became an at-large again. I did, so I did two terms of at-large and I ran for vice chair this, this term and, uh, won after like four rounds of voting, uh, I became the new vice chair of the party. And then of course I've had the show since March of 2020, I think March 3rd was our first show, uh, 20, no March of 2021. Yeah. 2021. Um, and we've done great things. The shows, you know, I had a million, uh, a million views and uploads in my first year and it's been a really been a really great show a really positive experience of course i like you i don't i i'm trying my very hardest not to pigeonhole myself into libertarian uh commentary um i think that the libertarian cause is really important don't get me wrong but i think that a lot of libertarian um media people they they don't realize that if we're only pigeonholing ourselves to libertarian media and guests then we're not making a difference we're not speaking to people who don't already agree with us and and so yep um, I've really tried to kind of branch out, especially over the last year. I've had some really cool names on. Um, of course, I had Andrew Bogut, who won the uh, uh, NBA Finals on the show. I've had um, uh, actors. I had uh, – uh, you guys may know uh, Gary Plache, the gentleman who shot his uh, his child's uh, molester in the head on national television. I had his son, Jody, on the show, who wrote a book called Why Gary Why. I've done a lot of really cool shows, man, and so – um, it's just been a, it's been an interesting ride, and and uh, I don't know that if I hadn't run for chair and vice chair that I would have the platform that I have now. But I appreciate it, and I'm going to use it for all the good that I can in this world, man. That's that's awesome, uh, everyone. I, I highly recommend going and subscribing 
uh, and going and following what Josh does. Um, his, his show Break the Cycle is definitely instrumental in actually this show existing in the first place. Oh, really? Um, yeah, totally. Nice, uh, I, so I used to work in a, a beer warehouse and I would force everyone in the warehouse. I would take a little JBL speaker I had, throw it up on my uh, automatic uh, like forklift jack and make everyone listen to your show. <laughs> oh, so, that's so just, sweet. Thanks, just spreading, uh, spreading uh, the message of liberty within the warehouse. And then I led a mask rebellion and then I got fired. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen, dude. I, I did, I did the, the Vax uh, rebellion at my work and thankfully it worked out for us, but I did lead the rebellion entirely yeah. because they were like, let's do a religious exemption. Let's do this. I'm like, no, fuck that, dude. We don't need yeah. to do that. We shouldn't have to lie. To, to these people we should be able to exactly. say no i don't want to put this in my body i'm sorry and that should that should be the end of it and so they were like yeah, yeah you're right so we all did that and uh they came to us three days before we were supposed to be walked out of the building and said hey we're gonna end the mandate I'm like yeah that's what we thought <laughs> yeah that's pretty much how it happened uh because we we were forced to wear masks but you know we we were order selectors and so you know i'm moving 2000 cases of beer a day yeah, like we're, we're we're practically you know athletes at that point running like carrying massive massive amounts of beer and water and all this other stuff and you expect us to like wear masks there there's only 12 of us in the entire building and we're always at least like 10 feet away from each other so yeah. it, it just didn't make sense it was harming production sorry and so uh i i said no and then you know courage is courage or courage is contagious and so it kind of just just spread and then they fired you yeah i mean they fired me for something else but oh, you know okay. i was on the chopping block you know oh yeah they were looking for a reason yeah yeah there's exactly. no doubt about it there's no doubt about it they're looking for a reason it sucks dude it's corporate fascism i mean 100 oh, yeah. it's, and it's so funny because we spent <clears throat> we spent all these years listening to the left talk about fascism fascism mm -hmm. you're all fascist excuse me <laughs> you're all fascists and this and that and this and that and then it was like when the real corporate fascism rolled up to our fucking doors and our jobs and our livelihoods and our children they were like oh yeah yay do it you know it's like what the fuck is wrong with you guys yeah do it or we want to put you in camps yeah yeah it just was it was mind-blowing to me that it was like the, the the fascism's actually here now and you guys aren't saying a fucking word what oh and the, and you are supportive of the actual fascism Bingo. That's what I've been telling you guys for years. You're the fascists. <laughs> yes. I knew it. Yeah, exactly. So one, one thing I kind of want to get into just a little bit, just for people who don't know, um, it seems like there's a lot of people in uh, within the loser brigade that just like attack you for just like nonsense. I fucking just hate me, dude. Pure nonsense. Yeah. And I don't see that it's deserved. Um, Obviously, I'm sure there's stuff that we could find that we disagree on. You know, oh, no I, don't, yeah. I don't agree with everyone. I don't even agree with myself on a lot of things, you know? So, but do you kind of want to just like run through some of that? Sure. Yeah. Look, um, here's the thing, man. Um, you got to remember that there, this, I basically, so like, if you think about the Mises Caucus, right? Um, when I started with the Mises Caucus, it was like 55 guys in a Facebook group saying we're going to take over this entire political party okay Jeez. and you know you know the meme like first they laugh at you then they fight you then you win or whatever um, yeah that's that was like the real time what happened with us right like 
like we started out 55 guys in a Facebook group talking shit. Then I, all of a sudden I'm running for chair. I'm traveling all over the country. I'm getting delegates. I'm getting people on board. I'm, I'm bringing people to conventions. I'm doing shows left and right with uh, other shows, other, other platforms. I'm on Tom Woods and all this shit that I never thought I'd do in my life, you know? Um, and, uh, in four years, 2018 to 2022, we took over the whole entire fucking party. Like, 80% of the state parties, the entire national committee, all the subcommittees. Um, we ran candidates all over the country. Uh, we brought in thousands and thousands of new members that were hyped up, activists ready to take over. Um, and you have to understand that, like, politics is a dirty, shitty, ugly fucking place, dude. Like, it's gross. Like, I hate I hate it. It is. I fucking hate it. Um, and, and I've told a lot of people this. Like, you know, 90% of the people that I've met in politics are absolute shitbags, including the people that were like friendly to me. You know what I mean? Um, and so uh, you have to understand that these people have had this, this political party um, for years that has always been stagnant and um, has never actually challenged the status quo, but it gives them a sense of purpose, right? It gives them their own little club that they're members of and they're, you know, vice chairs and county chairs and state chairs and, and all these cool little hats and titles that don't mean a fucking thing at the end of the day. They don't mean shit, right? Um, but I was threatening that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was threatening that status quo. And it's it's the same thing if we ever get big enough to, to challenge the two-party system in America. Oh, boy. You better be fucking ready, dude. People are going to die. People are going to die. There's no doubt they're going to take some of us out. There's no doubt that they're going to try to plant child porn or do some kind of dumb shit and fuck and fuck the world up because that's what they do. They don't want to lose their power. And it wasn't different uh, with these people in, in this party. It just wasn't. Um, and I can pinpoint the exact time that it all started. And, and I can put I can put names out and all this shit. Dude. And, I, and, I, and I have uh, in the past. But like I was at the Texas State Convention in 20, 2017. Uh, I want to say end of 2017, early 2018. I was at the Texas State Convention. Now, you have to remember, I was running against Nicholas Sarwark, who doesn't like to get his hands dirty. Okay, He has other people do his dirty work. He's very smart. He's a very fucking smart guy, dude. Um, and he will have other people do his dirty work. Well, another person jumped in, Alicia Dern, who is an absolute shitbag, scumbag. Um, but I didn't know this at the time. But she was the one that was running for vice president who actually stepped down and endorsed Bill Weld and told the delegates to vote for Bill Weld in 20, um, 2016. She, wow. she, yeah, she had made a commitment to Austin Peterson to be his vice president. And then she stepped down, endorsed Bill Weld, told the, told everybody to booze that they should vote for Bill Weld. So she humped, she hopped in to the chair race and she had another friend named Angela Fisher Owens, who um, I thought was friendly with me. We had always been friendly. We had messaged back and forth, talked about Nick, this and that, and this and that. And, um, and so Angela comes to me and she's like, Hey, Alicia wants to work with you to take down Nick. And I was like, look, I don't need to do this shit. Like, I don't need to do that. Like, I want to run a fucking clean campaign. I want to win on my own merits. Like, I don't need to play this dirty backroom politics. And boy, was I fucking naive at the time. Right. Cause like, to me, I was like this idealist, like I'm going to, I'm going to do the right thing here all the time and, and nothing's going to change and it's going to be perfect. You're going to see, watch. So, so I was like, I don't want to be a part of that. I think that's stupid, but uh, you know, I wish her luck and, and I'll see her in the debates or whatever, you know? 
So I'm sitting in Texas. Yeah, I think I was out at a bar having some drinks with a bunch of libertarians. And uh, I get a text message from Angela Fisher Owens. What's this here? I'm hearing about you sexually harassing a woman at your, uh, your home state convention in Washington. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, first of all, I had like, I had a girlfriend for like three years. We were super serious, lived together, all that shit. This is my home state. Okay. Like everybody that was at the, at the convention knew me. Everybody was hanging out with me. And she's like, yeah, uh, this, this woman, Tashina Pascal, who was another person that was running for LNC spots wife. Uh, she's saying that you, you said something to her sexually harassing her at the state convention. I'm like, what the fuck is going on at the time? I'm still naive. Right. I'm like, this has got to be some kind of mistake. Like there's no, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't do that. This is just not something that I would do, you know? Um, so I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but this is getting kind of weird and, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. So you guys do whatever you got to do. So then they put out a fucking article, dude. Right. <laughs> um, through like the libertarian Herald or some shit, some fucking publication, they put out an article calling me a uh, 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 harasser and all this shit and dropping all these screenshots and stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, those screenshots, this isn't even me. Like this isn't even my screenshots. Right. Um, and so I immediately text messaged this woman to Sheena who had just donated $250 to my campaign at the time, by the way, through PayPal. Um, just when all this is going down, she just decides to donate $250 to my campaign, even though I'm a sexual harasser. Yeah, okay. Anyways. So I text her. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? What is this bullshit? And she's like, no, it wasn't you. It was somebody else, but you were there. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? You guys are crazy. Right. And so I take all these screenshots that I have that prove this is all bullshit. Right. And I put out a fucking another article on the same, uh, publication like basically just smacking these people down to the point of where at the end of all of this, the couple, the campaign, everybody had to come out and make a public apology. They actually made another article making a public apology to me. Um, and that was that I can pinpoint it to that exact spot, dude. Like that was the spot where all of a sudden I was like, oh, dude, these people will say whatever the fuck they can. Like they will say whatever they can. And since then I've been a uh, sexual harasser, a deadbeat dad, a fucking uh, couch surfer, can't hold a job, beats women, fuck. I mean, every, I'm a Nazi. I'm every single thing that these people can throw at me, they've thrown at me. And I've, for the most part, I have been able to completely smack down every single accusation they have ever made about me. Every single one. Um, there was, you know, the, 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 my son who doesn't live with me, there was a time in college where I got behind in child support years ago years ago but i got really behind and uh and so that was the big thing they're like oh he doesn't take care of it. now we're all caught up and of course i i've been paying for years and years and years and um but they, they were still using that against me even though it was like old shit you know what i mean um but the, but then you know like they before right before the 2020 uh debate for national chairman at the convention um i had been trying to get custody of my daughter for 10 years and at the time she's 15 um, and, uh, they got a hold of my daughter who was in a really bad situation and literally wrote a letter for her to post in one of the Facebook groups and said that they would pay her and give her a mm. cell and give her a cell phone and all this shit. If she made this statement against me and it fucking hurt, dude, I'll tell you, like of all the shit that they did to me, that was the one time where I went up, I was at the convention in Florida, in, in Orlando. And I said, I walked up to my hotel room and I texted Mike Heiss and I said, yo, I'm done. I'm going home. I'm fucking done with this shit. I can't do it anymore, dude. Like I've been your guys' racehorse for the last fucking 
uh, two and a half years or whatever, but I can't do it anymore. Like they're fucking, they're, they're literally getting a hold of my family now. You know what I mean? And he came up and I was crying and shit, dude. It was just like, it was hell, dude. You know what I mean? Like they put me through fucking hell. And, uh, and he said, you can't quit now, dude. You gotta, you gotta finish. Just ride this one out right here. This is it. This is the, you know, we're here already. You've already put all this time into it. Just go do it. I said, all right, man. So I went back down there. I did the thing. Ended up getting custody of my daughter. Finally, uh, October. So that was in July, October. I had full custody of my daughter and her two siblings that were going to go to foster care that we didn't make. Um, and so it was kind of like, it was one of those things where my daughter showed up here and she was like, dad, I'm really sorry about that. And I'm like, don't, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I know what situation you're in. We know what situation you were in and we know what situation you were in with your mom. We know you need the money. We know, we know it's, yeah. it's water on the bridge. I don't ever want you to mention it again. I don't care. Like, I love you. I'm happy you're here. Let's, let's start fresh. Um, and so, you know, I never wanted her to make a statement about it. Like I never, you know, like I didn't yeah. want to, I didn't want to use her for the same means that they used her. You just know more what I mean? cannon fodder. Yeah. It's just more bullshit. And so, um, so yeah, we got her and then we got her little brother and sister too, uh, who we've had for, um, you know, next October will be three years. We've had them all. Of course, my daughter had two kids in that time. Uh, and, and, and her, uh, soon to be husband lives here and he's great and everything's good. We're happy. We're happy family up here, uh, in Iowa now, but the depths that they would sink to dude, um, were so crazy to me, you know? Um, but, but that's what it all is, dude. That's what it all comes down yeah. to. And then, and then, you know, of course with like a lot of the fakertarians guys, they just can't stand the fact that I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want to say. And I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, like they you monster. You know, yeah. I fucking, I quoted, I quoted <laughs> the Bible and they started calling me an anti-Semite and shit. I'm like, really? I'm yeah. anti-Semite now for quoting the Bible. Okay. That's cool. I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care what they have to say, but the, the, the personal shit was rough, dude. It really ate at me for a long time. Now I don't care. Cause I, you know, I, I proved to everybody who was watching that, that they were liars. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what else do I, what else do I need to do? They're pieces of shit liars. See, I was, I was going to bring this up real quick. This was an example of just for everyone watching like the, the on change.org of all places. Um, oh, they finally got over a hundred. They finally got over a hundred signatures. <laughs> yeah. 124. That's wow. it. What a bunch of fucking losers, dude. How old is that? That, that came, they put that out like over a year ago too, probably. Yeah. It was close, right? Yeah. I, Let's see. Nine months. Yep. <laughs> started it. Started a year ago. Yeah, they started it a year ago. You got to keep this in mind. They started this a year ago before I won vice chair. Yeah. <laughs> and this is just a, a snapshot. And by the way, just just low dirty stuff. Uh, throwing Ryan Dawson under the bus. Yeah. Um, they really hate Ryan Dawson, dude. <laughs> I love Ryan so much. He's yeah. great. And so, just to give people kind of an idea, this. This is just the the nonsense game that they play. They also throw in there that someone once said the N-word that I know. Oh no. Which is fucking hilarious because they cut it's like they couldn't pin anything on me. So they just like brought up other people that have done shit. Like I was on a show once where they dropped the N bomb. <laughs> and so and so all of a sudden, like, but I've never if anybody could find a single second of me saying any of the things that they claim that I've said or any of that shit, please do. I will readily tell you the things that I've said, like repeal the 19th amendment. And I stand yeah. behind that. I stand behind that. I, and yeah. it's not, and I don't, and when I say it, I say it out of jest, right? Like, yes, remove, repeal the 19th amendment. In fact, repeal all the amendments. I think the, the constitution has been uh, terrible 
I, I think it hasn't stopped anything. It's not like they pay attention to it or yeah. follow it anyways. Yeah, but they don't care. They don't care that that's what I mean. They only care. Yeah. They only care that they have their their sound bites. And and to be tr- truthful and honest with you, a lot of times I give them the sound bites they want on purpose because I know they're going to spread them around. And then my platform's just going to keep growing, dude. So yeah, exactly. thanks for the free marketing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I I wanted everyone watching to know that there is this culture within the LP that really is just toxic. And I don't think it's representative of libertarianism. It's it's not representative of the ideas, but it is this clicky group of people who, I mean, for the most part, just don't have anything else going on. They don't have any other accomplishments or anything. And they're just taking the shit a little too seriously. And granted, I mean, I, I've dedicated my life to this party as well. And I obviously, like, I'm willing to die for liberty, not libertarian party yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know no. and uh yeah there there is for for anyone wanting to get involved now is a good time the mises caucus has taken over there is new leadership including joshua um but and way be better aware. than me is angela mccardle i mean way better than yeah me. you guys have no idea the, the work that she does dude no idea she's she amazing. is a machine yeah I'm I'm pretty sure she is just like a liberty programmed AI robot yeah. at this point. She's a savage dude. And the way she <laughs> handles criticism is like I, I'm envious of the way that she handles crit- I could never handle criticism the way that she does. It's amazing. It's the best. So one thing I do want to ask you about just the liberty movement in general, but specifically the Libertarian Party, is about viability. Because I know a lot of, you know, the the post-libertarian movement is kind of gaining more popularity i guess who are also you, my friends i love those guys too yeah All exactly pete, and I pete, pete especially i'm a big fan of pete Canone. pete's great yep. love his show um still need to get him on too um but do you do you kind of do you agree with their assessment that the libertarian party is not a viable option to actually be able to spread liberty it's a rough one dude um I think in its current state, it has the opportunity to do it better than it ever has. Do I think that it's ever going to work? I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I could, I could throw a rock and a 50-50 chance. I mean, I, I honestly don't know, dude. Like, and, and, and as somebody who's been in this party a long time and, and seen it, it's like, yes, we took over the party, right? We got some platforms changed that really need, badly needed to be uh, changed to be more inclusive of, of a lot of different libertarian thought. Um, but I still see a lot of the same problems, you know what I mean, that I did before the takeover. Um, and, and there's still, uh, you know, there's still backroom politicking bullshit. And, and I just don't know, I don't know that being a part of something like that is ever going to change uh, a two-party system that is all that on a huge scale. You know what I mean? Um, we have to be entirely different, entirely different than the Republicans and Democrats. Um, and that that's, ra- that's radical. I mean, that's a radical thought. We have to be entirely different. Like, we can't be like just different on the principles. We have to have a completely different strategy. We have to have, uh, you know, asymmetric warfare i mean it's it's we're running on limited limited resources we have an ideology that brings all kinds of different people to the table because no one no one agrees on exactly what liberty is outside of maybe you know leave people the fuck alone right 
Um, we all have our own version of it. You know, what I do on my property should be fine as long as I'm not harming anybody or taking their rights. Right. Um, so we're all a little different, man. And it's, it's hard. It, that's the thing that I agree with. Um, you know, these wonderful people like Buck Johnson and, and, and Andrew, um, uh, and, uh, Tho Bishop, who I love to death as well. And all these guys, they're good friends. Like I love them to death. I agree with them. That it's very fucking hard to get libertarians to coalesce around a libertarian party for those reasons. I do. I, I sympathize very deeply with that. Um, and I think that I've become more jaded on the whole thing over the last year. And I've talked quite a bit about it on my show too. Um, but I do have faith, you know, like I have some faith and I've seen some wins um, and I've seen numbers that I hadn't seen before in my time with the party um, financially and membership wise and candidates and um, you know, uh, exit polls. And I've seen a lot of really good things that, that give me hope for the libertarian party. I don't know that I want to continue to dump and invest all of my uh, entire soul into it. Like I used to. Um, and I think that that might cloud my judgment on this, this topic. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I know that, I know that once uh, DC rolls around uh, next year, I'm done. You know, I'm not going to be on the national committee anymore. I'm not going to run for a position. Um, I want to focus in other areas like media and stuff like that, which I think I'm, I'm decent at. Um, and so I think that it will really depend on what the young new blood does. You know what I mean? Um, because That's there's a, a lot, point. And there's, I mean, you know, when I ran for, for vice chair this year, it was astounding to me how many people didn't even know who the fuck I was. And I was like, I was like, I, I'm literally the Mises caucuses, Leroy Jenkins, dude. Like I literally, <laughs> like, like no doubt, 100%. I like kicked the fucking door down and went running into the party screaming. Like I was the guy that did that. I put the, That's true. I, I put the fucking, I put the bullseye <laughs> on my back and I, and I took all the arrows and I went around the country and I, you know, like for you to be in the caucus and voting for somebody for vice chair and not know who I am, like you got to be really new, like really, 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 yeah. really fucking new. Um, because I, I carved that space out for us. You know what I mean? And I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like the conceited, like big headed guy. I don't, I don't think I'm special or anything like that, but motherfucker, I carved that space out for us. I yeah. did. I fought and scratched and clawed and bled and cried and fucking gave up everything. I gave up relationships and houses and jobs and fucking everything. So if you don't know who I am, you got to be new. So we really depend on what they do. And you know, my vice chair election was a little disheartening because they were voting for somebody who was not one of us. Um, and we had to fight about that. And, uh, you know, even if I got into the vice chair role and did absolutely nothing for two years, absolutely nothing, which let's be honest, vice chair role is not, it's a lot of doing nothing. It's just a cool hat. And, um, occasionally Angela will text me with something that she needs done and I try to get it done to the best of my ability. But, um, even if I got in there and did nothing for two years, it would be better than what we had before. And it would be better than compromising our principle and putting somebody in there who's compromised on principle. Um, and, and so, so it was it, like, it was a little disheartening, but it will really depend on what this new blood does. Dude. It will. Are you going to fall in the traditions of the original Mises caucus? Are you going to run in and say, this is ours now and we're doing the right thing from here on, on forward. Or are you going to go and do backroom political bullshit deals like they did before and turn it right back into what it was? Because yeah. that's not what I fought for. 
That's not why I did what I did. You know what I mean? That's not why I gave up and sacrificed and, and, and tried to carve this niche out for us. I did it because I, we needed radical reform in the Libertarian Party if it was ever to be successful. And so I hope that they do the right thing. I do. And, and when my term's up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gracefully bow out and spend some time, much needed time with my family <laughs> um, and, uh, and the show and, and uh, you know, live a normal life. I, I put, you know, when, I, when it's all said and done, uh, I started this in 2017. When it's all said and done in 20, uh, 2024, it will have been, you know, seven years straight of this shit. And uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to retire, man. i i hear you it's so just real quick my kind of thoughts on this is that uh, the the national party so i came into libertarianism um obviously through ron paul um a little too young to vote at the time of 2008 but was able to vote 2012 i i came into this whole movement knowing that like federal politics is complete bullshit and it was completely corrupt. Sure. And so I'm kind of lost on this whole like focus on running federal races. Like we right. should know we're not going to win. Like it's, it's a PR campaign at best. Well, and that's, and that's, I think that's what it's best for. Right. Is, is yeah. to get, you know, we, if you look at like Arkansas, right. Uh, the Reverend down there ran against Tom Cotton for us Senate. Um, and he ended up doing really good. He got like 30% of the vote as a libertarian. Uh, but, but the good thing about that campaign was he was invited to do, it was just him. There was no Democrat running. Um, and he got invited to do a debate televised on PBS, uh, for the, for the state, which is huge following. Right. Yeah. And Tom Cotton didn't refuse to do the debate. Didn't show up. They gave him an hour and 20 minutes to address the state of Arkansas from PBS. Now, I don't agree with him on a lot of things. I don't, you know, I, I, I think he's a really nice guy. I think he's, I think he's doing the best that he can. And he's probably much better for Arkansas than what they, than Tom Cotton. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, uh, but he, he got the opportunity to address the whole state. And that's what we should be trying to do with our federal races. I don't think we're going to win a, a U.S. Senate candidacy anytime yeah. soon, at least. You know what I mean? Um, I think that the biggest focus should always be at the legislature level in state. Um, Agreed. Because that's where you can make the biggest difference. Now, I live in Iowa. Um, and I could tell you that I know of four uh, state legislators here that are Mises uh, libertarians that were elected as Republicans. Um, one of them is a good friend of mine. Jeff is amazing. Uh, and everybody knows who he is here, even though he's from a little tiny, small place uh, in Iowa. And they were able to uh, get a bill passed that uh, outlawed the mask mandates, dude. Um, oh, they were epic. Yeah, they were able to uh, get a bill passed that said, uh, you know, the businesses needed to respect the healthcare privacy of of their employees fucking great dude like everybody's like oh that's not a libertarian i don't give a shit dude what's worse the state legislators saying that businesses are not allowed to force you to get a vaccine or or businesses being allowed to give you a make you get a vaccine you tell me which one's worse because they're both terrible yeah. they're both fucking horrible right right they're both horrible but one of them is way less horrible okay oh yeah um and so 
uh, they, you know, we have uh, full constitutional carry here because of those guys. They're the ones who put that bill through. Um, so like focusing in a place where we can make a huge difference at the legislator level, like that's an important thing to do. And I think, you know, if, if it were me, if I was the guy who was going around the country still and talking to people, uh, my focus would be on, Hey, you seem like you could probably run for a state legislator seat. You should do that. And let me help you figure that out because it's not that hard. It's really not that fucking hard, dude. You write out a campaign plan, you get five or six platform points, you get two or three sub platform points for each one of those points. You focus on what's important to your area, right? You announce, you raise a little bit of money, you do some debates and Hey, you might win. You know what I mean? Um, And if you don't, you got, you know, a hundred thousand people to listen to libertarianism on a bigger scale. That's a good thing. Um, and, and if it was up to me, we'd have a libertarian in every state house race across the country and not a single dollar would be spent on federal races. You know what I mean? Um, I I agree with that completely. Yeah. Outside of the presidential election, of course, I think that the national party has to run a presidential election to keep ballot access in like 30 States. Um, that's really important. Also, that's our, that's our 50 state media tour, right? Yeah. Um, and having somebody like Dave Smith would be fantastic. Uh, so yeah, man, I, I agree with you there. You know what I mean? I don't think we're going to win any federal races anytime soon, at least. I think that it's a possibility eventually, and it's going to take a lot of culture shift, a yeah. lot. And that's something else that the Libertarian Party doesn't like to do is get involved in the culture <laughs> wars, right? Um, Which but, is a massive mistake. Yeah, it's a huge fucking mistake. Like the culture is downwind of politics, or politics downwind of culture. If you can't change the culture, you're never going to change politics. Fucking yeah. never. Absolutely not. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So I don't know. It's crazy. The whole thing's crazy to me. And it's weird to me to sit here and talk about being like all this political strategy. Like I'm a political strategist or something. <laughs> uh, I have spent a lot of time doing it now. Um, but I, I hate, I, I absolutely abhor it. Like I, I hate politics. I think it's disgusting. It's gross. I never wanted to do this. Yeah. You know, yeah. now that I'm here, I'm going to give it my all, but th- this isn't what I envisioned doing, you know? Sure. Um, so just to, kind of change gears a little bit one thing i wanted to ask you about so there there's this uh quote from ron paul and of course i'm paraphrasing but it it was you know to make a revolution you 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 need two things you need young people and music and just to kind of back that up a little bit there there used to be a person here in the state of utah his name was carl bray and he used he he was the first chair of the Utah party he helped form the national uh the national party and uh sadly he passed away in the in the late 70s after a a, a long run of battling the IRS in in the courts um but he was a tax rebel nice. he used he used to dress up as Paul Revere and ride a horse in downtown Salt Lake, handing out Carl Bray dollars, telling people, yeah, right. He was telling people like, take my Carl Bray dollar because your federal reserve notes are going to be worthless. And he's right. Exactly. And so that, that's one thing I don't see in the party. It's just kind of like these, you know, the Cowboys, these like, not that I'm advocating for anybody to go out and commit tax fraud or anything. However, like, where are these rebels? Where, where are the, sh- where's the showmanship? You know, like, where are these people who are taking it hardcore? 
So how do we radicalize the youth? How do we influence the youth? Um, you know, college students, the commies are already doing it. And sure. I, I feel like we need to jump on that. Well, I'll tell you, man, I'm, I used to think I knew the answer to that question. I really did. I was like, Hey, we got to get the youth on board and I'm just the guy to do it. <laughs> um, and now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like a month and a half away from turning 40. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and, and I just don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of really good young guys out there doing this game now, um, that we didn't have before it was, this was an old man's game for a long time, yeah. you know, it was, and it, and it, and a lot of that has to do with the, the higher education in the United States, um, churning out communist after communist after communist purposely. Um, so it was, you know, it was like the older guys who were like, you know, they were the noticers, you know what I mean? They were the ones that were like, oh yeah, man. Uh, this whole system is fucked up, but it's because they came from a different generation that was like freer, had much more yeah. freedom and, and, uh, and, and, uh, didn't have to depend on the government. This was probably, you know, a lot of these guys, that, especially the ones that, that founded this party, um, like Dave Nolan and, and, uh, Murray Rothbard, certainly. And, um, these guys came from an era, uh, that was prior to the welfare state being, uh, absolutely astounding like it is now, you know what I mean? Um, so they didn't have to, they didn't grow up like depending on the government. Right. And now we have people that are my age have spent their whole life dependent on the government. It's really fucking hard to break that mentality for some people. And especially when you have the gov, the, the, these government schools telling generation after generation after generation that the government is their all seeing savior, uh, to all problems, right. The, 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 violence problem, the monetary problem, uh, security problem, um, uh, economic, I mean, all of it is, is taught in schools that the government is the way to fix all that stuff. So we have to have, I mean, to, to start, we need, um, we need like student run, uh, organizations on college campuses that fight the narrative. Um, and I, and I'll call somebody out right now who doesn't like me anymore, who used to be a good friend of mine, but doesn't like me anymore. Cause he's, uh, he sees us as all kind of Nazi threats, but he's, his name's Kevin Shaw, uh, from California. Um, he is a, I guess what you call a mutualist or a left libertarian. Um, and he actually fought the, uh, California collegiate system. Um, he was handing out pocket constitutions and talking to people on campus. Um, and they kicked him off campus and said that he's, wow. he, he has to be in free speech zones. He sued, he actually sued, um, the state schools there and won, um, because they're public education. I mean, it's a public yeah. place. Um, you have to be subject to the same rules of the constitution as every other public place. Um, and he sued and won. Uh, we need more people like that. We need more people that are willing to fight, um, you know, I was, I just had a, a gentleman on, on the show with me, uh, recently and, and, um, uh, Brandon, I always mess up his last name, Casera, I think, uh, who was arrested in, uh, conjunction with the, uh, plot to kidnap governor, governor Whitmer in oh, Michigan. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been um, trying to get him on my show. Yeah. Good, good interview. He's a good dude. Uh, I had him on the show and he's another one of those guys. I'm like, you have all the ammunition right now to to make what they did to you not okay 
Um, and when I listen, when I say ammunition uh, to my government spies that are listening to me, I don't, I don't mean actual ammunition. What I mean is they've wronged you and you can prove that they've wronged you. If you do nothing, if you do nothing, then they, they won't care. They won't care. Yeah. But if, but if you take it to them and you sue them and you make a fucking spectacle of it, they're going to remember that the next time they go to do one of these bullshit plans. Right. Um, and, and so we need people like that. We need people that are willing to step up and fight the system and, and, um, you know, it's, it's going to be hard. And I just had Maja on the other night, Maj Trey, and he gave a speech at the national convention. It was one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard in yeah. my life. Agreed. I was there. Yeah. It was, it was bone chilling. Yes. It was bone chilling, but he said, some of you are going to take a bag, you know, some of you guys, some of you guys are going to, um, you're going to take off. You're not, you're not made, you're not made for this. You're not going to be part of this change because, uh, the truth be told is you're all talk. And, and he was, and he was serious dude, Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, I agree with him. Like there's a lot of us that aren't willing to actually do the things that it takes to change the system. They'll pay lip service to it all day long, but we need people who are going to step out in front and be leaders. Um, people that are going to be tough guys. People are going to tell the state I'll fight, I'll fight you like plain and simple. Like if you fuck with me, if you fuck with my friends, if you fuck with my family, we're going to fight you. We're going to put resources into fighting you. We need more people like that because the more yeah. people rise up, the more people rise up. Right. Like, like when somebody, there's so many followers, right? There's so many fucking followers that won't do a damn thing until somebody steps up and does it for them. Yeah. So the more people we have stepping up and, 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 radicalizing the the base of followers the better and i think that's what's going to take and we got to do it on college campuses uh we gotta we gotta do it in media um we gotta do it at our jobs dude. we gotta do it everywhere we possibly can if you have what it takes to to if you have enough balls to stand up to any system of oppression then you should be doing it and i don't mean you know uh grandpa gary down the street that says men can't be women okay that's not it's <laughs> not fucking oppression dude yeah <laughs> so you know, I, I think that's what it's going to take. And, and a lot of that is, is uncomfortably pulling the veil off the eyes of people who I, like I was just talking about, um, who think that oppression is grandpa Gary down the street telling a man he can't be a woman. Uh, the real impression is, is the, these, these systems that have been set up by the government, um, you know, the welfare state, uh, gun legislation, um, the way that they've been able to delve into our healthcare over the last two years. I mean, it's, you know, government spying on their own citizens, like yeah, the the military industrial complex, the prison industrial complex. We're talking about some really bad shit, some very serious uh, systems of oppression. And if you're not willing to fight those, then get the fuck out of the way and let somebody do it that will, you know. Completely agree. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I do see some some of the youth. Oh God, I sound old saying that. <laughs> you're getting old, buddy. So, some of the youth out there who are being radicalized. Yep. And I, I love seeing that. Um, breaks my heart to know punk rock isn't punk rock anymore. Yeah. You know? Well, there's a few, there's a few, there's a yeah. few out there. It, there. There's always been a handful, but I mean, well, that's the other thing too. I mean, you know, we're talking about the culture war. Fuck dude. If you play music, yeah. make, make your music about fucking the system again. You know what I mean? Like exactly. if you, if you have a show, make your show about fucking the system. Like if you, I don't know what, if you're a writer, write a fucking book about it. Like do this is, this is what culture is, dude. This where's, is what where's it is. Where's the Ayn Rand's where's, 
Yeah, this you is know, cult. This is culture. Johnny Rotten's. Yeah, exactly. This is the culture. Like, this is how you win the culture war. It's by through popular culture. You know, it's not yeah. through fucking hitting people with, uh, um, uh, you know, Murray Rothbard books or Mises books and saying <laughs> you need to read this seven thousand page essay by Mur- by Murray. You know what I mean? Like. That's not the way you change culture because no one gives a shit about your books, dude. Like yeah. I get it. There's a lot of people out there that Rothbard has radicalized. He radicalized me, dude. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, but it was, it was the culture. It was like, I was hanging out at my buddy's house at a, at a party house and he had a poster of Ron Paul up on his wall. You know what I mean? And I'm like, who's that guy? He's like, Oh yeah. dude, he's dope. You'll see him. And then I was sitting in a bar with some friends and Ron Paul was talking on the TV and I was all, wow dude it was like it was culture i was brought to it by the culture not by the fucking paul not by the politics you know what i mean and so uh, it wasn't a political philosophy that got me all excited to change the (laughs) system it was like oh my friends want to do this and this cool guy over here wants to do this and i like this guy what he's talking about that's great and like like so culture is important and music's important dude like music is so fucking important to people And, and you can change i mean we've seen we've seen musical movements like the grunge movement that absolutely changed the entire face of the united states bro yeah you know entirely yeah so you can be done but you got to be willing to do it i'm a little i'm a little old for my band days these days too yeah yeah i mean i definitely certainly love to still jam in fact i'm work i'm working on setting up a band with a friend of mine but that's that's just for shits and gigs you know maybe yeah. maybe play a bar or something but it's not like uh i plan yep. on going out hitting a new record deal or anything <laughs> yeah we're not we're not going touring anymore buddy no no yeah. no no that 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 day's long past but you know it it is important to me to to you know hit these kids when they're young when their brains are still mushy right and obviously i think that the best place to be able to radicalize the the children is at home so oh yeah you know appreciate any liberty dad because you're you're doing you're doing what needs to take place yeah i had a my friend patrick smith on the show once uh who's great from disenthrall media he's also a big part of the anarcho-poco scene um and and it was like you know he's like anti-politics like super anti-politics anarchist a big ayn rand fan named both his kids after ayn rand characters i mean he's (laughs) oh wow um and i I had him on the show and and i said you know well well, you don't like politics so what do you think is the best way uh to to change this fucked up system that we're living in right now and he said well you gotta start with yourself dude (laughs) and i was like i was like what he's like yeah dude you gotta start with yourself because think about it man um if you're if you're doing well and being successful uh then your neighbors want to do well and be successful too you know what i mean and so um by by proxy of doing the right thing and being successful and living your principles uh you're changing your community and your community can change the the county and your county can change the state and your state can change the country and and that's how that's how it works it's a movement grows like that and it all starts with you and so um that was one of the best pieces of advice i ever got so you know my kids um I like to impart wisdom on them. I don't like to be forceful uh, with my my political views on them, um, uh, but I do I do try my best to explain situations very well to them uh, in a way that's understandable. And uh, my kids, you know, especially our two adopted kids, uh, when they came to us, they were like, you know, uh, God's for white supremacists and Nazis, and uh, he's not real, and 
libertarianism is uh is white supremacy and this this has all been shit that they were taught by their mother yeah and i didn't want to just immediately start because if you start you know if i would to, to start attacking their mom's talking points they would have been like who's this fucking guy right um and it was the same with church too like we never forced them to go to church we're very religious um but you know we're like well you guys can come anytime you want they have a kids program and there's juice and cookies you know what i mean uh fast forward two years later my son is uh asking us hey dad do you think i could get baptized i'd really like to be baptized you know what i mean <laughs> um epic. yeah pretty cool and it was like totally unprovoked entirely unprovoked i never forced him i never forced him to read the bible none of that stuff and he did it all on his own um and our girl too uh and uh and the same with the political philosophy you know <laughs> like my like one time so our two adopted kids we had to put them in public school it was like kind of required um so we got them into a community choice charter school which is better yeah and uh but they came home one day and he's like dad we're talking about the civil war and i'm like sit down <laughs> <laughs> and he's like he's like it's all about slavery right and i'm like well let's just pump the brakes there a little bit yeah. <laughs> when when exactly did the north release their slaves son he's all well this looks like it was after the war started i'm like yeah probably because they needed a little extra support for the war wouldn't you think yeah. son <laughs> he's like he's like yeah that makes a lot of sense you know and he, and and i let i helped kind of just helped him get to the conclusion that you know that the history is written by the victors and you're not always going to get the real thing from the history books and it's better to research that stuff on your own through you know oh, yeah. uh academic papers and now he, he reads all that stuff on his own and um and and he's like he's he's like hey dad taxes are theft oh he wears a taxation is theft hat and all this stuff i, <laughs> nice. I did not force any of this on him you know what i mean uh, but that was the really important part too, was that I didn't force it on him because you, we know as uh, grown adults who used to be children, right? Um, that we that there is a a long point in your life uh, where you will be rebellious to any authority at some oh, yeah. point, um, and when your mom or your dad or what I guess some of you fuckers probably had a dad, I didn't have a dad, but anyways, when your mom <laughs> uh, like when she like tells you you're not allowed to do this you're like the fuck i'm not i'm definitely going to do that now you know what i mean and so like for me with my kids i didn't want to be like i didn't want to be like you have to believe this like i wanted to be like yeah. oh that's i want you guys to believe whatever you think is right but let me just show you some data here let's talk about it let's have a good conversation about it and then when you leave you make up your own assumptions i want you guys to make your own you know your own conclusion on this situation and that's really worked well for our children man i mean really very easily of course we're peaceful parents we don't hit our kids yeah. and all that dumb shit either um but we but we you know we do have like very like real conversations with them about history and politics and um you know my my son will come to me and be like dad what's this omnibus thing that's going on i'm like oh son let's talk about it we'll never be able to get through it all because they can't even get through it all but we yeah, can talk about what right. what it means for us and our economy and all that stuff and i'll i'll tell you what i think about it and you can take it or leave it you know and he's like he's like man this is a lot of bullshit huh i'm like yeah <laughs> um so so yeah i think that that's really important with your children man especially as 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 free thinking libertarian people and we don't try to like force feed our children this stuff man it's 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 a thin line dude for sure yeah you know i i there, there's got to be some some way to be able to scale that you know because obviously like i said the the best place to to do this is within the home um and i mean fighting for a home considering uh the the standard 
home is is now broken like we we lead the world in single parent homes which was all by design by the way yeah exactly it's design, like 23 yeah. percent of of homes are single, single we call them, parent we call them fatherless communities now yeah <laughs> which is so disturbing um so obviously that's the best place right. and and with the nature of rebellion being a teenager um I think we have a perfect opportunity, which is why I think I'm still white-pilled on this liberty movement in general, not just the Libertarian Party, but everybody fighting for liberty because all it, you, you can't be popular culture and counterculture at the same time. Right. And popular culture is all the, the woke ideology, the authoritarianism. They made everybody and, retarded with the Kardashians, dude, and then they just <laughs> and then they just did whatever the fuck they wanted to after that. See, I mean, that's really. I think what it happened. started with the real world. Yeah, that too. It was definitely definitely the. Uh, <laughs> I, I say Kardashians, but yeah, just any kind of reality TV. They they made everyone retarded yeah. with with the uh, reality TV, and ever since then they've been able to just basically do whatever the fuck they want. And everybody's just like, yeah, dude. If I listen to the government. Uh, I'm going to have a mansion on Rodeo and uh, yeah, that's how it's going to work. It's like, nah, dude, that's not how it fucking works. You dumb shit. No, no, not at all. Uh, literally just crack a history book written before 1980. Yeah. And then uh, you'll, you'll see exactly how or what following the government, you know, exactly gets you in the end leads to a bunch of a band of people trying to kill sparrows because you know dear leader says so <laughs> exactly dude and dear leader uh by the way doesn't have a butthole yeah. uh, he does not poop he just expends all of his energy that uh, yeah. he's pretty he's pretty savage like that so so we'll i'll we'll start wrapping up because i don't want to keep you too long it's gonna but... I gotta go get like 100 kids to sleep so i appreciate it no problem so i i do want to kind of end on this and just talk about the nature of rebellion kind of things that we could actually do because as much as uh, trying to put us into a corner of only speaking about Liberty, of course, I kind of wanted to go the direction of really focusing on solutions. True. And most people they're, they're not going to do this for their, for, for a living, you know, but there, there are things that, people can do and so i kind of just wanted to ask your perspective uh you know some recommendations or even just like some ideas that you've had in the past like what what can people actually do to start just doing this in their daily life well i think it, it really comes down to how brave you are right um i mean it really it, you could take as far as you want to take it but there's people with jobs and kids and taxes and all this shit that they have to focus on or they'll lose everything and um, but you know, my good friend, Dan Berman, uh, Dan taxationist theft. Love Berman. Dan. Yeah. Dan's a good dude. Uh, I know him and the Mises guys don't get along so well recently. I don't know what that's about, but, um, Dan actually gives classes on how to, how to, um, you know, not pay taxes legitimately. Um, I, I, I love, I truly, at the end of the day, I fucking love the agorist thought, right? Like I really do. Like, um, I, I think the, the more you can opt out the better and the more people we could get to opt out the better um of their systems that are magically made up that really uh they had no basis in law for whatsoever um but i can't do that dude you know what i mean like that's the sad part is like i can't be an agorist dude like because i'll lose everything yeah. i'll lose my kids and 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 my home and my 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 life as i know it 
Um, so for me, it's, it's all about the educational platform, right? Like it's all about trying to wake more people up to the system. And I think I've done pretty good at that over the last couple of years. I've had, a, you know, as they say in sales, like touching people, right? Like uh, probably a hundred thousand or more people, you know, and, and that's a lot of people to, to get on board with these ideas, but it's, it's it all really comes down to what you're good at, right? Like that's, I think that's some also libertarians don't take into account that like, we're not good at everything, dude. You know, we can't, we're not all going to be great commentators and we're all not, we're not all going to be great comedians and we're not all going to be great musicians and we're not all going to be, um, find your niche, man. And, and fucking use it, dude. like find what you're good at and use it and to wake as many people up as you can. Cause we need people awake, not woke. Right. We need people awake to the injustice of, of the federal government, especially, um, it's, it's such an oppressive tool that was built for nothing else but oppression. Um, and, uh, and the more we can chip away at those systems, the better, how do we do it? You just find what you're good at, man. Let it kill you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I can totally agree with that. It's, it's just interesting. I just, I see this pacification of men and it, that's kind of a big deal to me. Pussification of men. Pussification. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, Obviously, with the pacification of men, you know, you have less of a chance of any sort of rebellion actually taking place. Right. Now, we, we can't fight uh, the, the monopoly of force. They, they know how to answer back to that. Right. But, you, you know, an, an armed rebellion, as, you know, romantic as it has, it romanticized as it has been, is it's not what anyone wants and there there's still a peaceful way to go about it and that's really how we're gonna have to be able to do it because they know how to answer to violence oh sure they, the only thing, the it's the only thing they're good at dude. exactly they're very good at violence exactly so this this is just something that's important to me obviously no. and important to a lot of people uh as, as far as I can see, you know. Uh, well, I think I think national divorce is a really important topic too. Um, I, I think that that Overton window has slightly been shifting uh, too. Yeah. That was never a conversation before, and now over the last couple of years, it's a national conversation that you know we've heard like federal politicians talk about. Even you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we got federal politicians trying to put forth bills to end the the IRS. I mean. The Overton window is shifting, dude. Um, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And then, and you know, it takes crazy motherfuckers, uh, like Ted Kaczynski to, to, to shift, (laughs) to shift the Overton window. That's the truth. Like I, I'm not praising Ted for what he did. Um, but man, his fucking manifesto was spot on about technology and all kinds of shit. Right. Uh, and he was just a, just crazy enough that some people were like, you know, I want to check that manifesto out and give it a read. And people read it and were like, wow, holy shit, it's really happening. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah. Um, and, uh, and so it does, it takes a crazy motherfucker. It takes leaders, uh, to move that over to the window. It takes people that are willing to stand up and say unpopular things. Um, and I think that, you know, I hold hope that we'll get there eventually. And I will live in the, uh, the, the great country of, uh, Iowa. Maybe they'll call it, I don't know, <laughs> junior Siberia or some, it's fucking cold here, but yeah, it's been freezing over here lately too. Where do you live at, man? Utah. Oh yeah, you get you guys get yep. you get kind of cold. You don't get cold like we get cold, but you get pretty cold. Yeah, I mean, uh, right along the Wasatch Front, you know, yeah. 
not so much anywhere else it, it gets pretty cold like up, negative up. like negative 40 like we just had some some parts really? of utah yeah oh up, shit up i didn't know I, got that. Areas, so. I guess in the mountains that makes sense i'm just so used to that mountain range specifically uh in nevada because um, because oh, yeah. i you know i grew up in the east bay area california okay um and we used to go to tahoe all the time and and that was like my snowy cold place but really yeah uh it'd be like 30 degrees and it would dump like fucking five feet of snow while you were in your hotel sleeping <laughs> and then you wake up and it'd be like 60 degrees outside and everyone's snowboarding in t-shirts you know what i mean yeah like, like yeah. Ta- tahoe is a special weird place and so i always it is. I, I think i always conflate like tahoe with utah in that area you know what i mean and that's probably why i'm like it can't get that cold there right? it, it gets it gets pretty cold but you know you get closer to salt lake you got all that concrete and everything sure. and whatever yeah we just we just had uh two days where with the wind chill it was negative 40 bro it was fucked Ooh. up it, it was brutal they're like really shitty and then like and then two days later it was 55 degrees it was like a hundred degree shift bro it was fucked up man this yeah. is ridiculous yeah so we'll we'll wrap up here uh, there's there's one last quick question i want to ask you and i i like asking everybody because everyone has a a, a different answer and uh it's it's one of the cornerstones of something i like to learn because this exploring all of this being in the podcast community and getting the guests that i do but in your opinion why does liberty matter in the first place well fuck dude uh i don't know man it's, a, it's a, such a personal it's gonna be a personal answer it should always be a personal answer for anybody who answers that Uh, I want my kids to grow up in a freer society than I did. Uh, I want my kids to not feel like at any time the government could come and take their home, uh, their means of self-defense, their, their hard earned money. Um, I, for me, it's a very personal thing, dude. Like I have grandkids, you know, and I don't want my, like, like I grew up in a really oppressive society that, that I, you know, that I think a lot of people don't even understand the amount of pressure that they face every day. When, when the, uh, when the County could come to your house and give you a $150 a day fine for not cutting your grass, you don't live in a free country, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, I don't want to cut my fucking grass. I shouldn't have to cut my grass. Um, and, uh, and I do want to cut my grass. I actually enjoy it. It's very fun for me. If you, (laughs) if you're a dad, you understand, uh, standing on your back deck, staring at your freshly cut grass for like two hours after you do it proud of yourself. (laughs) Uh, it's the little things, right. But, um, I just want my country, my, my kids, man. Like I really want my kids to, to live in a happier, freer society that is less oppressive. And, um, you know, if I have to be the guy that takes all the arrows and, and, and I don't know, the government hates and, and, but I'm able to move the window and make it a little better for them, then that's important to me. And that should be important to everybody else too. You know what I mean? And, and I hate being the guy that's like, Hey, this should be important to you. But man, if you're going to have children, you probably want your children to, to live a freer life than you did. And, and so you should, uh, you know, we sacrifice for our kids. You sacrifice for your kids any way you can. Yeah. Plain and simple. Well, that's a great answer. Absolutely love it. Do you want to let everyone know where they can find you, what you have coming up? Yeah, of course, man. Of course, uh, follow me on my my newly returned Twitter account that has been gone for uh, over a year. They finally gave it back to me uh, at Joshua at large, all one word. Uh, and then the show, of course, is youtube.com backslash fight the despots, D-E-S-P-O-T-S. 
Um, that's where we find break the cycle. We do it typically Tuesday and Thursday nights at 7.30 uh, uh, corn time, 7.30 p.m. <laughs> uh, corn time, as we like to call it here in Iowa, but that's really the central time. Um, and uh, great guests coming up, and and uh, I hope you guys will come and check us out. And definitely, if you if you followed me here from Twitter, uh, please sign, uh, uh, subscribe to Jacob's show and, and check that out. It's got a great show here, and, and I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, you'd been kind of like my white well for for a little bit, trying to nail you down a little bit. I'm a hard and, one, uh, man. I know. I get. It. I'm a busy. I'm a busy. Just a uh, quick quick thing from Reed. Tell Josh to answer my text. Jesus, Reed. Hold on. <laughs> Let's see what he has to say. So, with that, thank you, everyone. I don't even have a text from Reed. Shut up, Reed. <laughs> So thank you everyone for uh, making it to this point in the episode. Uh, hit that like, subscribe, leave a comment, do all the things. Uh, it helps the channel grow and we need as much uh, Liberty conversation as possible. Um, let's just dogpile. Let's allow too much content to uh, have them to be able to censor. Just dogpile to keep putting it out there. Um, thanks again, Josh, for coming on, hang out for just a minute while we, uh, get this all wrapped up and the recording's done and, uh, everyone else until next time, stay free, my friends.